Welcome to the Berkhamsted Spotlight, Berkhamsted School's podcast channel. Join our weekly guests from inside the classroom to behind the scenes of our day-to-day activities through to life beyond Berkhamsted School. Find out what it's really like to be part of our remarkable community. Remarkable community indeed. In this episode of the Berkhamsted Spotlight, we're speaking to head girl and head boy, Rebecca and Orlando. They'll discuss the process of applying for the roles of head girl and head boy, some of the challenges they face and what they like about the roles. But we'll also hear about the subjects they're studying and how their recent mock exams went. Hopefully all good. So come with me now as we speak to head girl, Rebecca and head boy, Orlando. Orlando and Rebecca, thank you for being here and welcome to this episode of the podcast. How are you both today? Yeah, really good. Um, it's a pleasure to be, to be on the podcast. And um, yeah, uh, we've just been getting back our mock results over the last few days. So it's a, a nice break from, from those. Yeah, very, very lot less stress than we had over the last couple of weeks doing something a bit more fun. So it's definitely exciting to be on here. Yeah, very much looking forward to it. So let me get this right. You've got the mock, mock results back or you're getting them back today, later on? We, yeah, we're in the process of getting them back kind of today and Friday. We started getting them back. We finished last Thursday, um, our two weeks of mocks. Okay, well, let's jump into this podcast episode. Um, So you're both head girl and head boy. If we jump all the way back to when you first joined Berkhamsted, it'd be great to understand when you both joined the school and what your own experience of school life was like when you joined. Uh, Well, I joined first. I joined um, in year seven. So I came from Maltman's Green and Gerrard's Cross. Um, And it was interesting. I knew quite a lot of people at the school already from various sports camps. And I knew both my sisters went to the school. So I felt quite familiar with it. So it was definitely quite an easy transition, which I guess I'm grateful for. Um, And yeah, since year seven, I've just been at the school in Wollstonehome. Now I've moved into sixth form in in Breves. Um, Yeah, I've really loved my experience. Becca, what was it like in year seven when you joined? I mean, do you remember that first day? Did you feel nervous on first day? Um, yeah, I was quite nervous. I had both my sisters in my, um, well, I had my sisters in my house. Mm -hmm. So it was definitely quite a different experience to other people because I had them constantly making fun of me in front of the whole house from quite an early age, which to be honest, I really loved as a year seven because it gave me attention. And when I was in year seven, I was quite a drama queen. (laughs) So for me, that was actually quite exciting. Awesome. That sounds really good. Uh, I thought you were going to say your older sisters were there to care for you, make sure you're okay and that you know where you're going. Not at all. <laughs> Excellent. That's what older sisters are for, I guess. Orlando, tell me your experience. When did you join the school and what was it like? Yeah, I joined in year nine, or actually joined halfway through year nine because I ended up going to another local school for the first term of year nine. Um, and I, I guess I kind of ended up going there because my mum thought I'd enjoy it. Um, and I ended up proving her right and, and I was proving her wrong rather and not enjoying it that much and um so I kind of just decided to go with my gut which was had been originally to go to Berkhamsted and and leave halfway through year nine and I came here then just after the Christmas term and slotted in really quickly because I had come from a, a local prep school where quite a lot of people migrate over towards Berkhamsted um after year eight so it was actually quite smooth and I felt really comfortable and I've yeah I'm so so glad I made that change back then because I love Berkhamsted ever since then really. Mm -hmm. Orlando if you don't mind me asking what was it about the the place where you were beforehand that that made you less happy than you are at Berkhamsted? 
without obviously mentioning which school it is. Yeah, no, of course. Um, I mean, it was a lot, I would say it's probably slightly more of a typically academic school. Not that Berkhamsted isn't academic, but the fact that academics was more at its core than Berkhamsted, because I think Berkhamsted is very rounded in terms of like everything is given pretty equal weighting and so the academics is great but so is sport and so is um art drama music and, and i think also importantly like having fun if, if, if i think that should really be put alongside all those four or five kind of standard aspects of school and i don't think my previous school I didn't really find myself having much fun just because of the way the curriculum and the whole kind of ethos of the school. So I, I've that's what's made Berkhamsted so great for me, that, that focus. I'm really glad you mentioned that word fun because I think if you look back at, you know, your parents or your grandparents' generations, then they might sort of almost frown upon the word fun being a part of education. But these days it tends to be very much, you know, right in the heart of what education is all about. I imagine it's because if, if pupils are having fun at school, then their learning is going to be better anyway. And, and it means that they look back with much better memories of their school lives. Yeah, I think that's, that's spot on. I mean, I think I often was warned like, hey, you're going to a less academic, slightly less academic school, you're not going to do so well. But actually... I, I'm now so much more motivated to, to do well and, and really, you know, work hard because, as you say, I'm having fun. So it's not made any difference academically at all. Mm. Yeah, I think that's the importance of like pupil voice because I know that here we really value like hearing the students' opinions, and that's where you get all maybe like the fun aspects of school are introduced because the pupils want to do it, and therefore it really does like increase their motivation to study as well. So I think it's a really positive thing. Mm -hmm. No, of course. Okay, so let's jump forward then to when you're taking your options. So I'm guessing you would have been in year nine. Well, actually, Orlando, that would have been the same time that you're joining. How did you find that process when you're deciding what you should be focusing on for your GCSEs? At that time, I don't think I had a clue what I wanted to do. I mean, I have maybe a tiny bit more of a clue now, but still probably not that much of a clue. But back then, it, I was kind of, I, I think it, it was... There were so many, there's so many subjects that you're doing at that time. So it's really hard to know which ones you really enjoy just because you don't ever get to give any one subject the, the, the amount of time you need to give a subject to work out whether you like it. Mm. So um, I think I kind of ended up just picking the subjects that, that felt like the, the ones I, I would kind of, you know, do the best in or, or would be the most obvious continuation but like I regret really not doing DT for example um because I want to do engineering um as a career and I just I, I never really had much time doing DT so I didn't really realize how much I would have actually loved doing DT. Interesting. Becca tell me about your experience there. Well my experience with picking options hasn't been too successful in the <laughs> I still am in the same position as I was in year nine where I really hate making decisions and I really don't like narrowing down my options so that's led me to do four A-levels right now because I genuinely could not pick three. I just wanted to do all of them, really. Um, and the same happened in year nine. I was going to all my different teachers after my lessons saying, oh, which subjects should I do? Um, but I think realising that it's your own decision, I guess. So it wasn't something they could decide for me. I had to just bite the bullet and pick, even though throughout all of my time at Berkeley, I've always been like, oh, I want to do that subject as well and this subject, which I guess is quite a privileged position to be in. 
but it does make my life a bit more difficult. Yeah, I think it's a great situation to be in. I mean, kind of it, it indicates that you're enjoying a lot of your subjects if you're keen to do more of them. And doing four A levels is a great position to be in. I also think that some of the people listening to this right now might be thinking to themselves, well, uh, I still haven't quite decided what I'm going to do in my career. And they may well be in their 30s, 40s, even their 50s, and they haven't quite decided. So I shouldn't worry too much about that. With this, the Learning Leaders Programme at Birkenstead, which is something I did the last year or so and one thing that was really driven home to us was this idea that like you don't have one career now or most people don't have one career and that's actually it's kind of quite a relieving thought because you don't need to put all your eggs in one basket you don't need like to deciding to do something at uni and then deciding to do your first job that's if you want to do that then that's fine because you that doesn't have to be your forever career you don't have to worry about what might happen when you're 40 what you might like because you can switch it's a lot more easy to switch careers now perhaps than it was when my parents or my grandparents were starting out um so that's been something that i've kind of come to realize Mm -hmm. no it kind of makes sense really does make a lot of sense okay so tell us then in a snapshot which a levels you're doing becca we know that you're doing four uh what are they um i'm doing english literature history economics and maths okay right english uh, so quite a wide range <laughs> that is that's a wide range isn't it okay and orlando tell us about yours yeah mine are a bit i guess a bit more narrow than, than becca's i'm doing um maths and if maths wasn't enough i'm doing further maths and then i'm doing physics and computer science as well um so they're quite a nice bunch of adults that kind of feed into each other I, I like to think in some way so um but yeah uh as I found out with my further maths mock recently, uh, further maths, it's not a joke. Not a joke as in quite hard to work through it, do you mean? <laughs> as in it's, it's pretty hard. Um, sorry, this, that, that, this is coming from a place of, a place of pain. Um, uh, yeah, I just literally 20 minutes ago got back, or half an hour ago got back my, my further maths mock. And yeah, uh, yeah. We talk about it no more. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess that's the whole point of doing mocks, isn't it? Is that it's good preparation for the real thing later in the year. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So let's look then at these positions of, of head girl and head boy that both of you have filled. Um, tell us, first of all, why you applied for those positions in the first place. Well, I mean, the f- I was talking about this earlier with Becca, and I don't think this is this is not, you know, the, the, the whole reason, it's just a part of it. But actually, I applied to be a head boy at my prep school, and I, I didn't get it. And I remember uh, joining Berkhamstead back in year nine and saying to my mum, I'm going to be, if I couldn't be head boy at my, my prep school, I'm going to be head boy at my senior school. Um, and so I think it's something that it wasn't something that kind of year 12 came around. And I was like, hey, actually, my, let, let me give this a shot. I, I, I had been thinking about it, it had been in the back of my mind for, for, for several years. And I think just because I love the, the everything that comes with it, it's not just the, the public side of it, the speaking, which I really do enjoy, but also I love the kind of organizing things, uh, you know, having that that ability to have an idea and then push it through and having kind of access to people and resources that can help you do that and, and really orchestrating things and seeing things that you've thought would be cool to implement, be implemented. It's a really satisfying um, and rewarding thing. So that's, I guess, my my motivating factor. How yeah, about you, Becca? Mine was quite similar to Orlando. We were talking last night about it and I was saying since year seven, I've been sat in those assemblies and looked up at the head girl or head boy mm. doing the assemblies and thought like oh wow 
like I wish that was me or I can't wait to maybe have that role when I was old when I'm older I think it all started because I really liked um like the stage and public mm-hmm. speaking uh, and almost progressed from there but now I'm actually in the role I'm realizing like how fun it is again to be on the other side of maybe like the um the big projects that you hear about in sick form and knowing a bit more about the inside detail um and like why these decisions are taking place and like getting a chance to voice your opinion on the decisions as well yeah i remember when we got the when we got the position back in was it june may last year uh we had a a handover meeting with the last year's uh boy and her girl and he was saying you know it's 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 quite a serious role it's like having a bit like having a year's worth of experience in a managerial type role in in any workplace obviously not as full-time or full-on as that that role would be but it's kind of a similar feel to it and I was like oh yeah sure whatever (laughs) but like it really is um I, I think both in terms of like we we've had to commit lots of time and effort towards it and that's been, you know, a quite a balancing act with A-levels and everything else that sick form brings, but also in terms of how valuable it's been as experience. I mean, we've learned so, so much stuff that we probably don't even know we've learned just by doing it. And tell me what the application process was like. I mean, were, were you up against a number of other pupils in school? Um, I think our year was actually the biggest yeah. for applications. If like I'm, 50 Yeah, I would say like 50 or 60 people went up for it, which... Obviously, there's a lot of people. Yeah. And I think there was, um, for our year, there even had to be like a second vote, which doesn't normally happen just because the numbers were so big. Wow, that's, that's, I mean, that's some incredible numbers coming through there, Becca. I mean, how did it feel when you realised that you're up against that many people? Yeah, it felt like a, something perhaps a bit bigger than, than we thought it was before. And you kind of realised that this is something that people want and you're going to have to fight for it to get it. And and um, so I guess, yeah, it also then feels all the more rewarding having, you know, receiving that, that those positions. Yeah, I would say it didn't quite feel real that I was actually going for the application until we got an email, I remember, after Easter saying you're in uh, the last 10. Oh, yeah. And that's when you go through like the quite intimate process of the interviews. Because uh, before it was only like um, teacher votes and student votes. So it almost felt a bit out of reach at that point. So... Yeah, definitely through the process, it got a lot more real. Mm. Yeah, I remember the, the interviews were, they were they were tough. They were the bit that really stands out in terms of the application process. I mean, the application process was kind of structured like a, I think, like a typical job application process. I remember there was a, one, just before the stage before the, the interviews was a, a video you had to record talking about like what you wanted to do in the role. Uh, why you were appropriate. And I just, this, I remember we had a, a call with the previous team, the previous senior prefect team, and they were talking about their experience of the application process and giving us some advice. And one girl said, oh, yeah, the video, I, I remember recording that on the morning it was due. It was so stressful. Don't do that. Make sure you don't do that. And I was sat there like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I, I, that can never be me. And there I was. I woke up at 4 a.m. on the morning of the, of the deadline to record the video. And I just remember... I took it a bit too seriously. I put some lighting up um, in front of the camera and I just remember I was so tired and and the lighting was hot and it was just, it was, I I watched back that video a a couple of weeks ago and um, I'm I'm surprised I got through. I mean, I didn't look so great um, at that time in the morning. But yeah, do you want to talk a bit about the interviews? Because 
Yeah, I was expecting going, I think before the interviews, I looked up, you know, general interview questions for applications just to almost prepare myself. And I'm probably safe to say that none of those questions were the ones that we got asked. They weren't really typical interview questions. Very left field questions. Yeah. So I know that you were saying that you got asked about, um, like, if we had to criticize the senior management team. Like, what would we criticize them on? Ooh, yeah. And obviously, when they're all sat right in front of you, you don't really want to start. Yeah, I mean, you've got, like the, you've got the, the dream team. You've got the principal, yeah. you've got the vice principal, head of sixth, and they're like, criticize us. And yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of, you've got a bit of a, a fine line to tread there. So tell us a bit about what you've learned in your uh, in your in your time in these roles as head girl and head head boy. Um, maybe something that you could share with other people who are thinking about applying, not necessarily regarding the application process, but just some of the things you've learned doing the actual role. I'd say the importance of like planning ahead and and really because actually you say you say well you've got a year as head boy and head girl. You don't really because you get the role in maybe halfway through the summer term and you you kind of after our mocks maybe in a couple of weeks time in a month or so we're into a levels like we don't we don't really have any you know any other um time to work on on the head boy or head girl initiative so you've actually really only got maybe three quarters two thirds of the school year two terms really maximum um, to get stuff done. So you've got to really look ahead and say, well, you know, we've got this much time. What do we want to get done? And, and, and what do we need to do now to get that done? And um, I think we did that fairly well. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, there's things you can improve and things we could have done at certain places. But there's, there's no point thinking, oh, I've got so much time, we'll do it then. You have to find out what you need to do now and, and really and get cracking. Um, and then things will happen. Becca, how about you? What would you add to that? Um, yeah, I would say the thing that I've probably noticed the most from having like this position of responsibility is just the fact that when you are walking around the school, you're always almost on show and you've always got to keep up this role of like having this responsibility. For example, I know during, when I first got my role, I was then caught in class like chewing gum a couple of weeks later. And normally that's maybe something that if it happens once, then it could get swept under the carpet. But then I got the talk of well, you need to be acting as a role model for the, role model for the school. Mm. And I think since then, it's almost having that in the back of your head that when you are walking, maybe in the girls' school, there are year sevens who, you don't know them, but they definitely know you from all the assemblies that you've done and stuff. So it's always just having that in the back of your head that you've always got to present yourself and show that the image, the show the image you want to present mm. with all the time in order to keep it up. Yeah, I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've had this and maybe it's just, maybe it's more of a boy thing, but... I found, and it's I, I kind of, it's kind of nice, but it's also sometimes it's a bit disconcerting. Um, I'll be walking around the school, and and like a crowd of year sevens will just start like pointing at me and shouting my name and being like, "I saw Landers, saw Landers," and like, and, and it could be from across the quad, and it happens, I'd say, like three, four, five times a day, and I kind of just smile and say hi, but it's it's kind of it's intense. There's energy behind their um, their kind of pointing and, and and saying hi and it's um it's a bit surreal really like you don't really expect that as part of the role but it, it happens and it's it's kind of fun actually but <laughs> i can imagine not, on the one hand fun on the on the other hand maybe a little bit strange as well um orlando 
and Becca, we, we need to bring this to a close in a moment, but two, two regular questions we often ask guests that come onto this podcast. Tell us one thing you've changed your mind about in the last couple of years. What I've realized is the, the real value that talking to people individually and, and really taking the time to listen to them and, and focus on them, even if that feels perhaps inefficient because you're only talking to one person, you're not talking to a whole group of people, can have such an impact on them and can really make a difference. And actually, that is sometimes a better approach than standing up in an assembly and talking to 100, 200, 300 people. Even though obviously your message is getting out to a lot more people, it's not necessarily getting out in such a a, a powerful way that that individual communication can have. So really taking time and valuing those intimate conversations. Yeah, and I would say that probably the main thing that I've learned over the last couple of years would probably be um, the power of listening. Because I think that when you're in maybe year seven to year 10, you've got quite an ignorant frame of mind of if teachers tell you something, well, oh, they don't get us. They're so much older than us. They don't know what we're going through. And I think that we often forget that they see the same problems every single year from the students and therefore they know the solutions or if we have talks from head boy and head girl they've only been through the process a couple mm. of years ago so they'll they do know better than us so i think just listening to them and almost finding like solidarity with them rather than against them has been very beneficial no oh, i like that becca i like that sometimes people say we've got two ears and one mouth and we should use them in that kind of proportion as well and for both of you in your time at Berkhamsted, what would you say has been your remarkable moment? Becca, do you want to go first on this one? Yeah, well, we were thinking about this um, when we were brainstorming, when we first heard this question was something that got asked on the podcast. And almost going back to what the very beginning of the podcast when I said about me in year seven, the thing that most stands out to me was actually the first time of year seven. Obviously, normally you think of year sevens as quite quiet and timid and obviously in the big scary school but in the first time I actually presented the whole of house music in front of the whole girls' school with my sister who was in year 11. And before we went on stage, she was the one crying and I was the one consoling <laughs> her saying, oh, don't worry, there's not that many people there. And I got up on stage um, and, yeah, presented the whole thing with no care in the world. And, and when we did, we presented house music together in, in sixth form house music recently. And I can say, yeah, Becca there was the one consoling me. Flashbacks <laughs> <laughs> in the past. Yeah, it's a trend that's continued. <laughs> Excellent. Orlando, what would you say has been your remarkable moment? I'm going to kind of cheat here because I've got two and I couldn't really pick between them and they're very contrasting. So there's like one that's really public and outgoing and that was um, a couple of months ago back in, back in January. Um, we... So there's in the head boy uh, senior prefect team, there's committees and we, uh, I run the academic enrichment committee with another prefect. And we hosted uh, as a student body an academic gala evening, which was kind of a, a luxury, well, I say nice three-course meal, um, some speakers and it's just a general nice celebration of academics in um, uh, a, a hall. Um, and it was a really lovely evening. And uh, it was just really cool to see this idea we'd had uh, happen and make it happen and and, and um, it was just a really really rewarding moment and the other one I the other remarkable moment was kind of completely opposite um, it's when younger students have come up to me and 
almost confided in me or talked to me about something I've talked about in assembly maybe. So talking about maybe a, a topical issue uh, like something like engineering week or LGBTQ history month, talking about LGBTQ um, issues and just talking about their personal experiences and, and just, you know, having an open conversation with me um, about that. And that's just, that's really amazing when you, when that happens. And so that's, that's, I guess, the two moments I uh, had in mind two good moments and both of them remarkable as well thank you for that Orlando uh, well look both of you we need to bring this episode to a close in a minute but thanks very much for being here thanks for giving up your time uh, on a Monday afternoon to talk to us about what it's like being in sixth form what it's like being head boy head girl what it's like applying for it and uh, for both of you I wish you all the best in your exams later in the year um, and for whatever you do both of you after you leave school so thank you very much indeed thank you very thank much you. for having us yes thank you very much it's been great so that's it for this episode. To find out more, check out the school's website, berkhamstead.com. And our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.